Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Man, I'm glad you're at church tonight. We're going to... We're going to dismiss our brake liners at this time. If you are grades four, five, or six, you can make your way to the back. Follow Miss Jordan all the way through the lobby and up the stairs. She's got something great lined up for you. I was a little hesitant to dismiss them because I feel like I get it wrong every time. Like I'll say that brake liners haven't been dismissed and they have been dismissed. And I, I actually leaned over to my wife again. I said, did he dismiss them or did he not dismiss them? You gave me good advice, babe. I appreciate it very much. Um, Hey, I just want to tell you, it has been a great uh, three weeks. We have had just incredible. I was sick one week, and Pastor Seth brought an incredible word three weeks ago. Then after that, we had Jonathan Martinez, who was here, and uh, just did a phenomenal job for us the whole weekend, which we're so blessed by that. Can I tell you, after Jonathan left, him and I were talking the other day on the phone, and he just said, you know what I love about coming to River is he said, it's real. He said, when I come to River of Life, the people are real. And then I get a text from Pastor Jim, who preached last weekend, and his text to me is, you know what I love about River? He said, you're authentic. And I just, I just want you to know that that means a lot to me, that when people that come in that are guest speakers that would come to this place, that they see inside of you and inside of the, the service of this place, the, the worship in this place, they see authenticity. They see people who are real. They are who they say they are. And I think that's super important because, um, I, I gotta take a second here. You don't have masks on. You're, you're, you guys are good looking. Uh, Good looking group. Uh, it's weird though. Like I was walking down through the lobby on, before church and I kept reaching for my mask trying to figure out, am I going to be in trouble? This is good though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Move in the right direction. So, well, we're in a series that we started some weeks back and then we took a little bit of a break as we jumped into our weekend of service. And then last week, my wife and my uh, kids and I were able to go, besides Logan, uh, were able to go to Minnesota I just knew if I didn't say besides Logan, he'd say, thanks a lot. I'm one of your kids too. Um, we got to go to Minnesota for, uh, you got to say it, Minnesota uh, for a week and spend some time with the family. And so I just appreciated Pastor Jim filling in and he did a phenomenal job bringing the word last week. So we're back in this series that we've called Live Forward. And uh, if you were with us weeks and weeks ago, we've just been talking about how do we get to this place that we are not just living life, but we're living in such a way that we're being who God's called us to be. Hebrews chapter six, verse one, the first part of it says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. How many of you know that God wants us to move forward into maturity? There's a lot of shallow believers in this world, but God wants us to be deep because I believe that we're going to step into a season that is going to be harder than we've ever seen before. And as we do that, we need to be prepared to be who God's called us to be. And even though God does the, the heavy lifting of the transformation of us through Christ, we are still responsible to be disciplined and become disciples, followers of his. So to live forward, we need to understand that, that that is so important that we live in such a way that we are, not, um, we are not just happy with coming to church on the weekend. 
We're not just okay with singing a couple of worship songs and hearing the bald guy talk for a few minutes. It's got to be deeper than that. It's got, to be, it's got to be important to us. And so as I was thinking about that idea of living forward, I wanted to take a little bit of time tonight, and I wanted us to just dive in and to understand that living forward means we're looking ahead. Now, for many of us, when we say looking ahead, we look ahead to uh, our next promotion, our next maybe house, our next... Uh, you know, our kids getting out of the house. Maybe that's what you're looking forward to. Or, or your retirement. And you're, you're looking forward to all those things. But as believers, we've got to look even further forward than that. And we've got to understand that we are to live our lives in such a way that we understand that this is not our home. Amen. That we are strangers in a strange land. And so when we understand that, then our perspective should shift and it should make us want to live this life in such a way that we are doing it in a way that we honor God, but we also understand that it is our job to, to seek and to save those who are lost. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that... Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will show us what we need to see. God, I know that there are people that are in this room tonight that are in all different places in their faith journey. I know that there are those who are, who are watching this in Star Valley, Wyoming, God, we're so grateful for what you're doing there, but Lord, there are those who they're going to come for the very first time and hear your word, maybe for the first time. And those who are in Malawi, God, we just pray that you would speak to them and touch them. God, for those who are wherever they are, as they hear your word preached, I pray, God, that you'll help us to understand that you have greater things for us. That Lord Jesus, your, your calling for us isn't just to get through this life, but it's to get through this life making the biggest impact we possibly can. So, Father, we give you all the praise. I pray, God, that your word would penetrate. Lord, those who have even come into this room and they're distracted and, and there's been hard things that have happened this week, God, I pray that we'll set those things aside and, and we'll hear you tonight. So we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want us to look at this for just a few moments because as we look at this verse... Peter is saying to us, look, you are going to have people who are going to, uh, who are going to mock you, who are going to make fun of you. They're going to say that you're doing wrong, but you need to live such good lives. I love that, that it happens to be feed the need weekend as I'm preaching this message, because that is one of those ways where even as Tammy was talking about feed the need, she was saying there are people who would never set foot in a church but they'll come because their kids need a hot lunch and they'll come and they'll stand outside of a truck that says River of Life and they'll have conversation with those who are volunteers at River of Life and they'll hear that, wait a second, these people don't just say God loves me, but they show me that God loves me. Amen. And now all of a sudden this, this armor that they put up, these walls that they built, they begin to tear those things down because why? Because we're doing such good deeds that they can't argue with you. Like when the, when the food bank is, is hopping on Saturday afternoon and people are pulling into this parking lot and I'm watching as people run out with boxes of food and they're meeting needs and people who maybe hate the church are being served by the church. And so as Peter's saying this, he's saying, listen, do such good deeds that they can't, they can't accuse you anymore. 
See, the problem is for a long time, the church has been known for being judgmental, for being that place that will make you feel less than. And I'm so grateful that, that God is, is moving in this valley and moving in our hearts and in our lives and showing us that it's through us loving people that he is going to penetrate those hard hearts. So we live in a time right now that is crazy, and I want to talk a, few, a little bit about this. We live in a time where wrong is right and right is wrong, and it's becoming more so each and every day. You can't, you can't watch the news. You can't pay attention to what's going on and not see that things are getting turned upside down continually. And as believers, we're accused of all kinds of things. We're accused of intolerance, of bigotry, of hatred, of all of these things that are not true, but because... Everything has been turned upside down. It can appear to be true. And that's a sad place to be. But if we're living a life in such a way that we love people, that we meet the needs of people around us, that we say, hey, we don't care. We don't care what's going on in your life. We don't care how messy you are. We love you because God loves you. Then all of a sudden we can, we can, we can change the narrative. You're not going to change the narrative arguing on Facebook. I'm just going to tell you right now. You just won't. And I've said this to you lots of times, but some of you still need to hear it. Okay? You're not going to change the narrative by arguing on Facebook. You're not going to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. I've never seen it done. If you're able to do it, I'd love to, I'd love to like screen grab your conversation so that I can see how you went from, I've got this political view, you've got this political view, let's argue, 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 will you say the sinner's prayer with me? <laughs> never seen it happen. But we will win people to Jesus by loving them. But we got to talk about this because we're, we're in the end. We are in a time right now where we as the church, man, we got to be awake. Yeah. We got to pay attention. We have been, we have been low. I think, I think COVID as hard as it's been, I think COVID has been a shaking for the church yeah. and we see it. I mean, there are people that we, you can look around this room and you can go, man, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. They haven't been around. They're not coming to church anymore. And for many people, they've used this as a, as a reason to exit. And I'm telling you right now, now is the time for us to not exit, but to lean in. Second Peter chapter three, verse, verse uh, uh, three says this. First off, you need to know that in the last days, mockers are going to have a heyday. Reducing everything to the level of their puny feelings, they'll mock. So what's happened to the promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried and everything's uh, going on just as it has from the first day of creation, nothing has changed. I, I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time here because we live in a time and a season right now where we as believers are being mocked. Yeah. Now, maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you're like, well, I don't really see that. Then maybe people don't know that you're a believer. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, if they know you're a believer, you're probably feeling mocked from time to time. Or maybe it's just when you turn on the TV and you see that the, the way that the world treats us it's the, one, it's the one space, like, everybody's so conscious, like, oh, don't make anybody feel bad. Don't make, but if, if you're talking about a Christian, it's okay to mock Christianity. Well, Peter told us it was going to happen. The day is going to come in the last days where they will mock. 
So the definition of mock is this. It is to tease or laugh at in a scornful or contemptuous manner to make something seem laughably unreal or impossible. We live in a time right now where Christianity is mocked as though you are crazy that you believe in a God who created everything. You are crazy if you think that, you're God, that this, there's a God in heaven that's listening to you. You are insane if that's what you believe. And we live in this space where that's okay for people to say about us. Peter told us it was coming. He said that's what's going to happen. Some people will blatantly mock. You can, you can turn on late night TV and watch as the comedians who used to be funny but are not funny anymore. Now it's all political statements and mocking faith. And that that's, serves as comedy now. But it's okay. They can do it. And nobody says a word. Some will do it more subtly than that. And some ways that we are mocked is even by those who will call themselves believer by knowing what is right, but not doing what is right. Many are choosing what is wrong to gain acceptance with those who walk in darkness. I've been gone for a couple weeks, so just buckle up for a minute. We have got to wake up. We have got to stand for something. We have got to stop allowing the world to dictate the terms. We serve the creator of the world. He is the one who breathed this into existence. He is the one who sets the rules. He is the one. But yet we live in a time where we're like, well, if we just pull back a little bit, then maybe they'll, they'll, they'll see love in us more. If we, don't, if we don't push the fact that there are things that we can do that are sinful and, and we don't talk about heaven and we don't talk about hell and we don't talk about sin, then maybe people will like us more. The problem is, there's a book. Yeah, come on. There's a whole book. Yep. And he wrote it, and he knows us, and he knows what we need. See, if you start taking everything out, you go, you know what, let's take it out to make it easier, then I'm going to ask you the question, why even do this? Amen, come on. Like, if it's, if it's, let's just get together and have a little, like, kumbaya party and say how, how lovely life is and how great it is and then I'm just telling you, there's probably better things we could do on a Saturday night. Yeah. Come on. God's called us to hire. Second yeah. Peter chapter one, verse five. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep it. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting 
that they have been cleansed by their, of their, from their past sins. So look at this for just a moment. Peter is saying, hey, listen, this is what you need to start with. You need to start with goodness. You need to move to knowledge, then to self-control, then perseverance, and then from there to godliness, and from there to mutual affection, and from there to love. And he says, if you possess these qualities, you will become effective. So when we say, hey, let's, let's remove a bunch of stuff, let's, let's not talk about godliness, let's not talk about holiness, let's not talk about sin, let's not talk, because then we'll be more effective. No, that's not what Peter says. Amen. He says, you got to have all these things, and as you grow in these things, you'll become actually more effective. I love that Vance was up here, and, and I, 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 give Vance a round of applause. I love that guy. <laughs> But Vance is just talking about like, hey, you know, when we go into our workplace and people are down, I'm going to be up. When, when people are hurting, I'm going to be the one that's going to bring hope into their scenario. For many of us, we just feel like, man, if I just fit in with what they're doing, maybe they'll listen to me. It's not the way it works. As we're in this time, in this country's history, we need to be the church that stands up and says, no more. Like, we believe the book. Amen. We're going to follow the book. Amen. Sometimes we mock by lack of faith and lack of doing what we're called to. So when we talk about being a mocker, oftentimes what that even looks like is it's somebody who may even be sitting in this room, but you mock because you actually don't live out what you're learning when you come to this place. Sometimes that's actually worse than those who would actually say the words. Instead, you just live differently than what the, what the book says. You still love the bald guy? Come on. God's word spoke this world into existence. It turned chaos into order. And when we don't believe that it has the answers for us, we mock him. Second Peter chapter three, verse five says this. They conveniently forgot that long ago, all the galaxies and this very planet were brought into existence out of watery chaos by God's word. Then God's word brought the chaos back in the flood that destroyed the world. The current galaxies and earth are fuel for the final fire. God is poised, ready to speak his word again, ready to give the signal for the judgment and destruction and of the desecrating skeptics. Peter once again reminds us that God not only created the world, but he is involved in the world. Amen. And that his word, when he speaks it, things change. He spoke this place into existence. He, he said the words and this world came into existence. And after that, then, then as man began to do their own thing and not pay attention to him, he sends a mighty flood to the earth and only Noah and his family are saved. And I want you to know that's a true story. It's a true story. These aren't fairy tales. These aren't made up things so that we can feel better about ourselves. It's actually what's in the word. And we know it because even Peter in the New Testament, when, when people are like, hey, don't believe the Old Testament. That's just a lot of made up stories. But believe the New Testament. Here's another example of where Peter is pointing back. And he doesn't say in this made up story about Noah. He says when this happened, historically when this took place, 
But God is all-powerful, and he has expectations, and those expectations need to be met. And they need to be met by his church. We are in a season and a time where everything is getting worse. And I don't mean to be like the, the Debbie Downer up here, but I'm just telling you, it's only getting worse. Sin is becoming normal, and not sinning is becoming, is becoming you're crazy. And so we're in a time and a place where we have to stand up for what is truth, and we need to speak truth. We need to speak it with love, but we still need to speak it. Even as believers, we often tend to see God as somebody that's far off and uninvolved. We live our own life. We do our own thing. We just pursue our own dreams and our own desires. And we have things that we want to accomplish. And God is great. We keep him in the box on, on Saturday night. We come and we pull him out of the box. We worship him a little bit. We put him back in the box and we do our own thing throughout the week. And I'm telling you right now that we serve a powerful God who is not okay with that. It is a foolish thing to willingly forget or ignore who God is and who we are. By, by his word, he's created and he's destroyed. Maybe, maybe as we even look at this, we're looking at scriptures that talk about the end times and about the fact that Jesus is coming back and, and that this world will be destroyed at some point. And so maybe as you hear that, you're like, man, it seems like if that was going to happen, it would have happened a long time ago. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. God isn't late with his promise, as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. Yeah. Holding back the end, because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. But when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced like a thief. The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang, everything disintegrated in a huge conflagulating uh, earth and all of its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. There is a day where Christ will return. And we can go, why hasn't it happened yet? Because God loves people. He wants you to have opportunity. He wants your friends to have opportunity. He wants your family to have opportunity. So we as the church have got to understand that if we're going to live forward, what that means is looking beyond our lifetime and understanding that we were made to be eternal beings. Amen. So your friends and your family, it's easy to go, you know what, it's fine. They're good people. No, you have an opportunity right now to reach them. You have a chance to do what you can to bring them to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Acts chapter one, verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 says it like this, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. God's love is manifested in his long suffering, which is a patience or a forbearance. In his first letter to Peter, he referred to this long suffering, uh, 
and, and he refers to the days of Noah and how the judgment came. But, but God so loves you that he's holding back. Can you imagine what that must be like to be God and to watch as this world becomes more and more corrupt, as people, as people mock him more and more? And he, and he has within the power of his hand to be able to just say, you know what, it's time. I'll show you who I am. Mock me a little bit more. I, that's why you and I couldn't, couldn't be, well, that's one of the many reasons why we could not be God. Jesus showed us on the cross what it was to hold back. I can't even imagine knowing that I had full authority to call down 10,000 angels as people mocked me, spit at me, made fun of me. But he, but he let himself stay because he loves us. So he showed us in physical being how that, what that looks like, but God holds back because of his great love for us. But I'm telling you right now, church, as he is holding back, I just have this vision of him just holding back the end times going, come on, just one more, just one more. Someone else say the prayer. Someone else accept me. Someone else become a follower. For us, if we believe that, if we understand that, then it's our job to go into all the world to find those people who are lost, who are dying, who are hurting. I love to spend time with those who are leading our outreaches. Even today, Corianne is just talking and she's beaming as she's talking about clients from the food bank and what God's doing in their life. And I just want you to know, like, we need to get fired up again. We have a calling on our lives, and it's our job. It's our job. We accepted Christ, and when we accepted Christ, we accepted the mission. Second Peter chapter three, verse 14. So my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best, in purity and peace. Interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is, salvation. See, God wants success for everyone. He lays out opportunity for all of his children to succeed, but it's still a choice. His heart is for his children. Some will mock until the end of days and others will turn to him. But his heart is always for his children but he won't make anyone follow. Can you imagine? Sometimes we don't really think about how much God loves us. When he talks to us and we're referred to as children, how many of you know as a parent, your children are important to you? Some of you have a lot of children. You know, some of you have, you know, Shannon and I, when we had kids, we decided, hey, let's have two so we can play man-to-man defense, right? <laughs> Some of you are into the zone defense a little bit, right? Lindsay's in the front row. So you got multiple kids, but can you imagine like if you have your, your four kids with you and you're walking and you go to the fair, let's say, like if the fair opens up this year, we don't know if it will or not, but you, your four kids are with you and you, you go around and all of a sudden, little Amelia is uh, missing. We don't know where Amelia is. And uh, so you're looking everywhere. You can't find her, you can't... There's no part of you that would just go, well, you know, we got three other ones. It's fine. We're good. We still got three. It's, it's all good. No problem. We, we you know, we batting 750. That's not bad. 
You're not going to do that, right? Why? Because you love her. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do everything in your power to find that little girl. God so loved the world. He so loved you. Like, when we say that, God so loved the world, that's his big picture, and we're like, oh, that's really good. That he God so loved you that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you. And as we look at this and we understand that when we're living forward, we're not thinking about just like what can we do and, and what does retirement look like and, and all of those things. It's not that. It's, it's, it's this life beyond. What are we doing for that? And who is it in our lives that, that doesn't know Jesus? And we've just been okay with that. It's time for us to not be okay with that anymore. It's time for us to step up and to do what he's asked us to do. He sits back patiently waiting, wanting the moment when more of his children are ready. I, I can't even imagine how, how patient God is because he's already won this battle. He's already taken the victory, but now all he's doing is holding things back, going, just one more, just one more. I'm gonna wait just a little longer. I wanna wait just a little bit longer because I want as many as possible to come to know me. Man, what a loving God we serve. Amen. We live in a time right now, you, like even this week turning on the news and just seeing what's going on in the Middle East again. And we see, we see bombings and we see all this stuff. And I, I couldn't help but think about the prophecies that just even in my lifetime that have come true, biblical prophecies of things that were going to take place that have taken place. And those biblical prophecies are there so that we understand the truth of God's word. So when we see something unfold and we see all this unease in the, in the Middle East, it very well could mean that the time is very, very near. If we knew, if God was to say, hey, you know what? I know I said no man knows the day nor the hour, but I'm going to just tell you it's next Tuesday. How would we live our lives? What would we do between now and next Tuesday? Would we be worried about like, oh yeah, I got to make sure that, you know, the... The lawn looks exactly the way that I want it to look. And don't get me wrong, do all that. We, we need to be good stewards with what we have. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying so many things become so important to us. But if next Tuesday, Jesus is coming back, I think there would be a lot of people out witnessing. I think there'd be a lot of us that'd be knocking on some doors and, and talking and you know, leaving the tracks that look like dollar bills. No, I'm just kidding. Don't ever do that. We'd be calling our relatives who don't know Jesus. We'd be like, dude, you need, you need him, right? We, something would change in us. But because we don't know the day or the hour, we're just like, ah, yeah, it probably won't even happen in my lifetime. God, God's called us. The Lord is going to return and he doesn't want that anyone should perish. I call that clear, specific, reliable information. And let's not mistake the Lord's great patience for permanent ab absence. He is coming back. Yeah. It's interesting because we live in a time right now where there are so many teachings, false teachings, about the end times, about heaven, about hell, 
The church has moved to this position where we just want to be seen as loving. And so because of that, we're going to remove hard things. And you hear me talk about this a lot because we're in a season where I'm seeing it more and more and more. Pastors and preachers who I've respected are now coming out and preaching this not true gospel. And I'm telling you right now that it is deceptive and it is destructive and it brings people to a place where they believe that no matter what, they're going to heaven. And I'm telling you, it's not what his book says. So we have got to walk out the truth and we've got to understand that when we speak the truth in love, it actually changes things. Man, we water it down hoping that we'll get more people, but what happens is we water it down to a place where it's not recognizable and it's not even truth anymore. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, is ignoring God. Harvests a crop of weeds. All, he, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. What is it that we're called to harvest? People. We are called to be the harvesters. We're to go into all the world. We are to bring those who are far off from God to a saving knowledge of who he is. When we talk about this idea of, of it being becoming common that, that, that hell doesn't exist and, and that, that it's, it's, uh, th- th- that's being misinterpreted and that scripture can be changed so that it makes me feel better. By the way, I just want to, I brought this up here so I'd remember to say it, but I want to encourage you. I, I rarely ever will talk about a specific book from up here, but if you're if you're if you've got friends that are being taught that there is no hell, this universalism that's going around, this book called Erasing Hell is an amazing book to read. And I would encourage you to pick this up. In fact, I'm gonna try and have some available when they do the swag sale next week so you can get one back in the lobby. But it's important for us to know. Because there's this argument that's going around. And what happens is, as harvesters, we need to understand where we're bringing them. We're bringing them to a God who loves them so much that he made a way. And you'll hear people make the argument, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. When, we, when we're born, we, we're on this sinful path, this sinful nature takes toll inside of us, and we start walking towards hell. But God so loved you that he made a way that you don't have to go to hell. So don't get it confused. He's not sending anyone anywhere. It's your sinful nature that that brings you in that direction. But God loved you so much that he said, listen, I'm gonna extend something out to you and you have an opportunity to be saved from that. See, don't let him twist it. Don't let him twist who God is. He's so loving. He's so good. See, we as a church, we can go along so that we can get along. We can hold back on truth. We can just try and make everybody happy and be everybody's friend. We're not called to do that. We're called to be harvesters. 
which means that we go to where they are and we love them where they are. But ultimately, we're bringing them from where they are into his kingdom. The amazing thing is, is when we actually trust and believe God's word, when he says, this is the way, when we do that, then all of a sudden, all, something changes in people's lives. You serve them a watered-down version of this, and they'll go, oh, it's kind of nice. The music's good. That guy doesn't talk for too long, and it's fine. I don't want that. I don't want people just to come fill the room. I want transformation, because that's what God does. It should change us. So you may sit in this room today, and you go, man, I'm a mess. Yeah. But he is willing to do the cleaning. He loves you. He doesn't want you to be a mess anymore. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody in the room if you'll just close your eyes with me for the next few moments. Tonight, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. I just, even as I was just closing my notes right there, I was drawn to that, that sentence about oftentimes we can mock God by just not actually living out who he's called us to be. I think there's a lot of people who maybe if you were honest, you find yourself in that camp. You're not intentionally mocking God. You're not, you're not saying things out loud. But you're saying, hey, I believe in God and I believe in his word. But then you go throughout your week and you don't, you don't do anything that shows that you love him. You don't do anything that proves that you're following him. I just believe that tonight and over this weekend that God is calling his bride back. Come back to me. Come back to your first love. Come back to that place of understanding that I'm calling you not just to know who I am, but to follow me. For some of you, I believe that tonight, it's not going to be a night of raise your hand and pray this prayer. It's going to be a night of coming to an altar and just saying, God, I need to follow you again. Because as we step into a hard season in our world's history, his church has to be ready. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Amen. You gotta pursue him. Amen. For some of you, you felt like, well, this is my happy place, I can have both. But because you want both, you have neither. Tonight, God wants you to feel what it is to really pursue him. So I'm gonna pray over you. The worship team's gonna lead us in a little bit more worship. And then the prayer teams are gonna be down here. If you need prayer for anything, whether it has to do with what I preached on or not, doesn't matter, you can come and get prayer. But I believe that there are many of you in this place that you need to just make a recommitment. You need to come and say, God, I am, I am pursuing you. I am, I am following you. I'm done with being halfway in. I want all that you have for me. And for some of you, even during this time, God's going to lay people on your mind and this is your week to go into reach because the time is short and he's coming. God, I pray over every person within the sound of my voice right now that, Father God, you would speak to us right where we are. 
God, there are those who are, who are, are listening right now and they are, have lived a lukewarm existence. They have relied on their own abilities and their own strengths and what they can accomplish. And church is fine, but it's, it's just church. God, you're calling them to deeper. You're calling them to a place of reality and real. Father, I pray that tonight that they would, they would submit to you. They would follow you. They would chase you. They would believe you. God, I pray for those who are in our circles that need you. That, God, you would help us to be relentless in our reach. That, God, we won't worry about what anybody else thinks. That, God, we'll do what you've asked us to do. That we'll pursue the calling that you've placed inside of our lives. So, God, as we close this time together and we worship you, I pray, Father, for those who who have never even thought of stepping out of their chair to come to an altar, that, God, this would be their moment where they say, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm pursuing you, God. We praise you, Father. Help us to be the church you're calling us to be. Help us to love people like no one's ever loved them before. We give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we worship? The altars are open and the prayer teams are here. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.